Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's webinar. It's titled Kids in Quarantine, Advice from Parents. I'm Mark Raven from Kinexus. I'm going to be host and moderator today. And we're joined um, with three panelists. We'll let them introduce themselves uh, a little bit more as we go. We have Katie Webb Seifert. We have Sarah Evans. And some of you might recognize from Kinexus, we have um, Jeff Roussel. So um, uh, Sarah, maybe I'll let you go first and, and just share uh, a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. So um, prior to being a mom, I was a strategy consultant for a number of years. And now I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Uh, last year, as it happens, we homeschooled for three months uh, while we we're traveling internationally. So I have a little bit of experience being a like learning the ropes of homeschooling, I guess. Uh, but this is bringing it all back to me. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, Katie? Hi, I'm Katie. Um, my undergrad is in special education, which I taught for several years. Um, then I spent a few years in financial services, insurance and investments. Um, and for the last eight years, I have been teaching eighth grade science. Um, I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old at home. So we are all adapting to this new normal. Yeah, great. And uh, thank you. Jeff? Yeah, so I'm uh, Jeff Roussel. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer here at Kinexus, although that shouldn't really matter for this webinar. Uh, for this webinar, I am a, a step-parent of three awesome step-kids. Uh, I have boy-girl twins that are 16 and a half, and then I have a little girl that is about to turn 14 in a week. Um, my wife and I both work full-time. Luckily, we're able to do that at home, but as everyone that can work from home knows, that poses some interesting challenges too. So really looking forward to going through this conversation today. Well, thanks. And again, thanks thanks to all of you and thanks to the people who've signed in live. We do have some prepared questions to get the ball rolling, but we would invite you, if you have a question that you want to ask, use the questions um, section of the GoToWebinar control panel. And one of the comments, um, just in terms of topics, we did have a few questions that came in that are a little bit more medical in nature. And, and for those, um, I would refer people um, to the previous webinars that we've done um, in this Kinexus series with uh, one or two doctors answering a lot of those questions. Um, we will follow up with a link to those webinars. And our blog also has some written um, Q&A that might be helpful for people. So um, and it's like, uh, you know, we're first uh, background visitor. <laughs> um, that was going to be my kid. Started with my husband. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, guest appearance. So, um, first question um, for any or all of you: How are you teaching your kids about social distancing and, and practicing that, or physical distancing, if you will? So I I can chime in there. For our family, you know, my feeling is that. Um, particularly for the kids in my age group, you know, a simple rule is the easiest rule. And we have just decided as a family that we're not going to have any interaction with the outside world. We're fortunate to be able to do that. But that way there isn't ambiguity about, oh, maybe I could have only the kids that live on my street come over to play, or maybe only we could play at the pool or like those sort of ambiguities. Um, are easily resolved when the rule is we're not interacting with anyone other than the five people in our family. I, we are going out some for walks and things like that, but I have been very upfront with my kids throughout this over the last few weeks um, in terms of we're staying six plus feet apart. You are not to go inside anywhere. We're not interacting with Anyone outside the immediate family, um, including they have cousins here in town. My parents are here in town. Um, for my students, I actually posted a Mythbusters video that's circulating on Facebook, Instagram, that sort of thing. Um, it's from season eight where they simulated um, someone having a cold and having a dinner party. And this clear liquid um, actually fluoresces under blacklight. So if you can find the clip out there on YouTube, it shows in five or six minutes just how easily germs mm -hmm. are spread. And I found that was really effective for some of my students. 
Great. That's Thank cool. You yeah, we for sharing that. Uh, and Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, it, it's been a blend of teaching and rules for us. So, you know, I, I have I have teenagers, as I mentioned, and and they push back and they reason very effectively. And I want them to, right? I want them to think for themselves. And uh, they may or may not have the kind of social discipline or the understanding of like doing this now may not affect them at all, but it's going to affect other people and it's going to affect our healthcare system. And, you know, at some point their resolve gets low and they may or may not care. So I've certainly had to have rules that said, sorry, even if you don't like it or don't agree with it, these are the rules, right? But at the same time, I don't want to be the heavy handed dad. And so I'm trying to explain that to them. I'm trying to reason to them, you know, why this is important. And and I'm also trying to give in a little bit. You know, we did get takeout food. Now we came home and one person unbagged it and we tried to do do it as safely as possible. Um, I did let my my son go fishing, but I talked to all three of the people going and kind of got confirmation that they would be 10 feet apart at all times and no touching each other's fishing poles and things like that. So I've had to give in a little bit with reason, um, but it, it hasn't been easy, that's for sure, especially early. Now, now it's been a little bit easier. Uh, more of their friends are also doing it. But at first I felt like we were first and, and they were like, why are we doing this? And our friends don't have to, you know, and, and it was hard. It was very emotional for my wife and I through that part, but we just stayed the course. It was something that was important to us. And I think ultimately my kids understood that we were doing it for the good of others, not for selfish reasons. And that helped them come to grips with it. And I want to thank our Kinexus Director of Marketing, Maggie Millard. She dug up uh, the, the Myth, Mythbusters video link that you mentioned, Katie. So I've copied it. <laughs> I put that in the chat box for people to grab later. Maggie is also working from home with a, a child who we often um, see in the background. So uh, hi to everyone else who uh, is in that, that situation. Um, our CEO, and uh, co-founder, Dr. Greg Jacobson, is working at home with uh, a child um, as well. But, um, you know, you're talking about learning new things like um, physical distancing, but then the learning in terms of uh, formal classroom education um, continues. And so we had a lot of questions about this. One of them asked, what advice do you have um, for parents working from home trying to balance that with kids' schoolwork, um, this one person said, I'm finding it difficult to do both, to work full-time and give enough attention to um, helping the kids get their lessons done. They have an eighth grader and uh, a preschooler. And there were a lot of different versions of this question um, with different age groups. And I think we have that covered in our uh, panel here. So thoughts on balancing both at the same the same time here, not, maybe not the exact same time, but balancing these. Right. I have given uh, homebound instruction before for students who are out of school for medical reasons. Um, perhaps they had a surgery or they've had mono and they may be out of school for a month or six weeks. And so our school division sends someone, a, a teacher to their home to do that instruction. And what's interesting is that when we offer homebound services, it is not 35 hours a week. Um, in fact, typically that one-on-one -on -one is going to be 10 hours a week. So how much time is spent on academic tasks? Um, I think we need to be very realistic that you cannot set a schedule for your kids of eight to three um, and expect that they are going to be engaged and um, normal during that time. Um, so I would definitely say, first of all, amend the time. Um, I've seen some homeschooling families say, you know what, elementary school kids need two and a half, three hours of academic work a day. Your high school kids can probably handle, you know, three to four hours, um, maybe five, depending on what they're doing. But um, I think the first thing is to release any expectation that you're going to teach them at this, you know, the same hours that they would receive that instruction at school. Yeah, I, I, I second that strongly, that I think trying to replicate what you remember about fourth grade or sixth grade or eighth grade at home is, is kind of a losing strategy. 
you know, I, so I added, I had a, a sort of worksheet, which I'll share with you guys, um, that we used when we were homeschooling at the end of last year. And my fifth grader was doing about two hours, two and a half hours a day. At the time, my first grader was doing an hour and a half a day of strict, straight academic, pure academic work. But I think the other thing that um, that doesn't take into account is how educational just spending one on one time with a grown up can be. So, for example, my my daughter has been watching, you know, a lot more YouTube shows and, and television than she would normally. But she's been retelling the story to me. So she watches a story, internalizes what mm-hmm. happens and then retells it. That's actually a pretty educational exercise for someone who's in a second, you know, at second grade. Um, so it doesn't have to necessarily be formal educational work to help their development. Um, the same way with cooking, the same way with, you know, all kinds of household tasks, gardening, lots of things that the kids are doing with that time that's not straight educational time. Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in quick. I, I actually, my two oldest kids um, started online school, one a year ago and one six months ago. So for them, it's a little bit of a new normal, but I'll tell you just with their experiences, uh, I would completely agree that thinking it's going to be the same as what you remember or the same as like when you're in school, it's, it's just not. Uh, my daughter's pressure prompted, so she can certainly procrastinate an entire semester's worth of work and then get it all done at the end. And she makes great grades and does great with it. Whereas my son will kind of progress as the instructor wants them to throughout. And and we've kind of taken the pressure off of both and just said, you have these results. It's your, you know, go get them. I'm lucky that they're older in that regard. But like, for instance, my youngest daughter was watching a TED talk. I'm a strong believer in you can learn to do just about anything on YouTube these days. And in fact, it might be a better way to learn. And so if she's watching a TED talk, I don't care if she's doing a, a worksheet or what, like an assigned thing or whatever, as long as she's picking a topic and trying to educate herself about it. So my expectations have certainly come down and that eases a little bit of pressure on it. I will say, I don't think the schools know what they're doing yet. I don't blame them. I know they don't, you know, this is new for everyone. And so we're going to have to give them a little bit of uh, time to figure out how to do this properly um, and some patience and some grace and some helpfulness on that side. I love the tools of Zoom and Facebook Live and, and having the kids get together and do things with one another, even if they're playing games, you know, that are somewhat educational to, to me, those are just as important as if they do a worksheet or follow along a certain chapter in a book or or what have you. Um, I can't even imagine, though, uh, with preschool and elementary school age children trying to keep their attention through through this. It just I can't even imagine trying to go through that. I guess the other thing I would say is, you know, we my husband and I have had an explicit conversation about our priorities during this. And basically what we agreed is that our number one priority is to preserve our physical health. Our second priority is to maintain everybody's psychological health, then our financial well-being and work situation, and then our education. Um, because I think, you know, some of those things you can more easily remedy than others. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you have a set of priorities, it's a lens that you can look through to help you make decisions that are in line uh, with those priorities. It just makes it, for us, it makes it a little easier. Uh, One of the things I've been thinking a lot about, oh, sorry, Mark. So one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is the concept of identity. Um, I saw it with my son. He, he, he's employed. He goes to home, he does online school so he can work and he just got promoted at work. And then the place where he was at shut down. And so he lost his entire identity, right? He, He now has lost this like kind of leader in a workplace identity. If your son or daughter made fantastic grades and they were looked at for that, I bet they're struggling right now. Like I bet they've lost some of their identity of being one of the smart students in school or, or the funny kid in school and and that sort of thing. And so some patience and some grace with the kids that, that they are losing their identity in addition to not being at school, I think is important. 
um, I think it's happening for everyone. It just, you know, as adults, we see it in ourselves and we see it in others. Sometimes it's hard to realize that kids of all ages have that identity and it just got stolen from them a little bit. Um, Jeff, I had a follow-up question for you because we've been working together a lot um, these last couple of weeks. Are there any specific strategies that you use for balancing things? Like, are you blocking off segments of time during the day or just trying to roll with it as it's happening with what the kids need? Yeah, I mean, luckily, my kids are old enough to where they're pretty self-sufficient. So they feed themselves. They watch whatever they want. You know, we're not a family that limits screen time. They just kind of we just, we manage their mental health, you know, as the result. And if, if we need to pull screen time away, we do. But, um, like at five o'clock, my daughter stands at the door with a volleyball in her hands and she wants me to go practice with her. And I just can't say no at that point. If that means I have to work late at night, I have to work late at night. Um, it, it just, you know, those sort of things I've, I'm actually appreciating them and I'm liking that part of it, but it's certainly difficult to balance um, on, on the, from a work perspective, a number of the people that we work with have smaller children. And so we've had to be very patient with them on these video calls because it's really hard to keep the kids out of the room. You know, they come in and they ask for things and we've all had to just be very patient with that. And then also you know, sometimes they can only work in 15, 30 minutes, spurts before they have to go and spend time with their children. And so depending on the stage in life that people are and their age of their kids, we've had to make different adjustments for those people. You know, teenagers is an emotional challenge, but the younger kids, it's a time management challenge that parents are going through right now. My sister worked from home when her son was young and, um, for a period of time, she had to make arrangements where she worked during his nap time, you know? And so she worked it out with her boss where, I mean, he was an infant. So she would wake up early and work from say 6am to 8am. And then she would stop for a little bit to feed him or handle whatever. Um, but then, you know, during his periods of downtime, that was when she got her work done. And sometimes it meant some hours in the evening. And if you have an employer that will work with you with that flexibility, um, it's, it, these, this is a great time to investigate some of those options. I mean, I would also say to that end, like, if you know, other parents and they have a small child, like having a, a Facebook play date at a certain hour so that they could work or, you know, there's, there's gotta be creative ideas that we could have to help one another out. Um, it's so hard that you can't get the kids together to all play while one parent goes off and does something or runs an errand or whatever. But, you know, there's got to be ways we could do some of that virtually. Yeah, my my 12 year old has had a standing uh, 730 story who are four and six years old. But he picks out a book every night and reads it to them through Zoom uh, where he can screen share the image of the book. And it gives my sister, who's just maxed out, it gives her 30 minutes of the kids are occupied, they're joking around and having some social time um, and maintaining that relationship. Yep. I mean, I know we talked about Maggie, like her mom, her grandmother is playing shoots and ladders every day with her daughter. And so one, it's great for them. They're developing a relationship and, and whatever, but um, Maggie gets to work and focus a little bit during that time, during the shoots and ladders time. So those kind of creative things are going to come up more and more often, but I would certainly tell people, you know, think of your friends that are in different situations that you are, and there's creative ways that we can still minister to one another from afar. Uh, do you know, is that game, are they doing that through video chat? With shoots you know, I don't know what they're using, which app, but there's some sort of a video involved. And um, Maggie said her daughter cheats a little bit as far as so she (laughs) tends to win every time. But um, but yeah, some kind of way they're using video and showing the board and and that sort of thing to play those kinds of games. I mean, I think, you know, parents and grandparents and older siblings, siblings could certainly help in that regard not just within the immediate family but outside of the immediate family we have a, a, a game pigeon 
which is which is text based. Yep. They're playing with their um, grandparents and their younger cousins and things. But that way they can play Uno and checkers and you know sort of games everybody knows. We have a local children's museum that is currently closed that normally does activities, and they're doing remote activities daily at a, and at a specified time. Our local library is doing children's read-alongs a couple times a day with the library staff, but those videos are often available after the live recording. And so if you need your kid, you know, if you've got to do a quick call and you need to let them watch someone else read a children's book for 20 minutes, um, a lot of those resources are available. And speaking of resources, just to um, give you all a breather for a second, um, we are going to share afterwards uh, and on the blog post where this uh, webinar recording uh, will, will live, uh, a, a whole list of resources, podcasts, social games, including Game Pigeon, tips about electronic book lending, um, setting up your kids' devices, um, all, all sorts of other resources. So thank you. I think we, we had contributions from both of you, Sarah and Katie. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, we were talking about devices. There was one question that came in here. Is there such a thing as too much screen time when mom and dad have to work from home with a small child? Jeff, I thought if I remember what you said, you're not really too concerned about it, but what, what do you all think about that? I'm not concerned about it. Um, as I said, my youngest is 10. And what I what I found the first few days especially was that the tweens and teens are actually processing a lot of this online and um, in really, really interesting ways. They started, you know, I started getting shared TikToks and things um, about social distancing. There's a really funny, mm -hmm. um, there's some really funny spoofs out there on YouTube that people have, have done of different songs about quarantine time or whatnot. So, um, but the other thing is like, if you let your kids get bored, their natural curiosity is going to guide them in some sort of direction. So I found myself a few days ago with my 10 year old saying, Hey mom, what's an essay? How do you pick a topic? How many paragraphs is it? She may well write an essay. Um, mm -hmm. on the other hand, um, one evening, my 13 year old decided to make herself some chocolate cake with some cake mix, but it turns out we were out of eggs. And one thing about kids is that not only is Google smarter than your parents, right? But yep. always first answer is the right one. So when she was in the midst of this recipe and realized we didn't have any eggs because we needed to go to the grocery store, she ran a Google search and it told her that peanut butter is an acceptable substitute for eggs. Um, we called this our science experiment. It did not work out well <laughs> at all. Um, but you know, their natural curiosity is going to lead them in some sort of direction and we can foster that within safe boundaries, right? I'm not saying like leave all of the house paint out with your four-year-old, um, but they will eventually start to look for something outside of the screen because they need that break. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, we have, as a family, we've had very little screen time up until two weeks ago. <laughs> um, and so we don't have televisions in the house. We limited their time and we've certainly loosened up on that. I will say for us, there um, a tool that's been very useful is a thing called Our Pact that allows us to, on their iPads, segregate the apps that are more educational in nature that we want them to have full-time access to, things for podcasts, playing chess remotely, all those types of things. And then the things that are pure gaming, which is also fine, but maybe we only want them to do that three hours a day. Um, and so it's been a very helpful tool for us to um, set it up so that we're not physically taking away the iPad and they're still able to access messaging back and forth with their grandparents and that um, social components as well. I'll tell you, one thing I have noticed through this is that uh, just like you were saying, you know, the right strategy isn't to remember how fourth grade was for you way back when. Um, none of the kids I know, including my kids and their friends or anything like that, they're not reading the news articles and then getting depressed like the adults are, right? They're not going to sleep with a panic because they just read the worst news over and over and over again. You know, they are online in a much different way. 
Uh, my son plays video games. Well, the video game makers or whatever, they open things up. So now if you're on Xbox, you can play with your friends on PlayStation or whatever. And so like my, my son's hanging out with his friends. That's how they consider hanging out right now. And it's, it's, you know, it's made his social life active again. Now, do I think it's, I think it's crazy, you know, but like, that's the way they do it, but they never come down going like, Oh, I read this article and this is going to happen. And you know, it just, that's an adult thing. And that's something I think we project on kids from a screen time standpoint, they use it differently than, um, than we do for sure. Right. Um, another question here. Um, Jeff, if you can speak to this, if um, you have, um, you mentioned stepkids, and if you have a split family um, with divorced parents and kids going back and forth, are there any um, special strategies that, that you figured out or advice that you would have? Um, this one's the hardest one for me. Um, my, my split family has essentially kind of decided to stay apart for the time being. So the kids are with us and they're not able to see their dad, unfortunately, uh, during this time. Um, he lives with someone who's an anesthesiologist and, and is going to be right in the throes of, of dealing with this crisis. And so, um, luckily they're old enough where, where emotionally that's not going to be a huge toll on, on everyone, but it's certainly, it's certainly difficult. Uh, the friends I have that are in family divorce situations I don't envy them at all because you know one you're we are all making decisions on what social distancing means for our family uh, like you know you just said we're gonna just stay within our unit and that's our decision but if you're in a split family you know you may not have that that luxury right I mean your, your kids may have to go see their mom or see their dad and if the other family isn't as aggressive as you are, or, or maybe they're more aggressive and they want you to be as aggressive as they are, then that's going to cause some tension. The, the best advice I can give is, is to talk about it openly, honestly, and respectfully. I know that's probably hard for some families to do. Um, it is, uh, I don't know if there's a good solution. Most of the people I know that are in this situation, they are still transferring the kids back and forth. You know, they're still, sometime with the mom and sometime with the dad. And uh, a lot of it is, is they're just kind of, I mean, I hate to say they're having to kind of get over their fears, but in some cases they are, you know, there's, they're having to, um, I, I don't know if there's a good strategy for solving that problem other than open communication. Do you guys have friends or any, any people that are kind of dealing with that? Yeah. I have some friends and it's bringing up a lot of trust issues. Um, yeah. with the other household that they're having to negotiate. And again, open communication is really important. Um, if you have kids that, and even small kids can understand directions, you know, when you've got a toddler and you can say, go pick that up or whatnot, kids are able to follow those instructions, but um, how much it's getting enforced is definitely coming up for them. And I'll uh, remind or, or, again, ask attendees, feel free to submit your own questions. Um, use the, the question box within the GoToWebinar uh, control panel that's on your screen. Um, we had another question that was submitted in advance, and it sounds like maybe this isn't an issue yet, but it might get to uh, at some point. Do you have any ideas on how to keep every day new and exciting? I'm a big fan of playlists. I am a huge fan of playlists, um, even in my classroom. Um, if my students are working, sometimes I'll just play some music. And so when we studied meteorology and we were talking about mercury barometers, I was like, oh, well, then, of course, we need to listen to Under Pressure from Queen because Freddie Mercury. Right. Um, and I tell my students all the time, you're here for science, but I'm throwing in cultural education for free and I'll just play some music. Um, that has been helping. Um, today, my anthem is stronger from Britney Spears. It was the quarantine anthem. I didn't know that I needed, but apparently I need it. And then the video comes complete with a home workout, although I don't think I should do all those moves. Um, but that is, you know, kind of switching it up each day with some sort of 
song or celebration, laughing. Um, we do a theme day, you know, be like, oh, today we're going to wear nice clothes around the house. I don't know. Um, just something to break the monotony. Yeah, we are definitely holding things in reserve in our house. You know, like when we order groceries, we'll order something that the kids like, but keep it off the table for a while for for a desperate moment. Um, also, for the for younger kids, Go Noodle is a great resource for silly dance party and exercise in the house. Um, you know, even for little toddlers, it's fun, silly music and things like that. Uh, so our kids like to do that as well. But yeah, I mean it it can feel like a slog. <laughs> I was, um, I, I talked to, um, a good friend who's in China and they've been on lockdown. Her child is still not back in school, but they were locked in their little tiny apartment with five people for a month and a half. And I was like, Hey, I'm doing this webinar. <laughs> Any tips for anybody? And she really, um, enjoys cooking. And so she spent her time, you know, making the day special with, you know, cooking interesting things that she wouldn't normally cook. So I think everybody brings their different talents and interests, um, you know, their creativity to bear on on how to make life nice, despite the circumstance. Yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't do that before this issue. Like, I mean, we had a routine and, you know, some days felt like they blended into the other ones. Then we got to a weekend. And so I find this to be challenging. Uh, although I, I kind of like what you said earlier. Sometimes the kids just got to get bored. Like I'm certainly okay with like, Hey, tough. Like we're in this situation and go figure it out. Like you need to, to be the creative one in your own life to, to figure it out. That said, there are other times when like, yes, we are trying to, um, to create that. I don't know that excitement or the newness every day. One of the things that I've found helpful is, my wife and I have quit trying to do it for all three kids. And so, so I don't know for anybody that has kind of, let's just say multiple kids, but like if all three of my kids really, really, really wanted a hamburger and two of them said out loud that they wanted a hamburger. Well, the third one would say, I'm not eating a hamburger, no matter what, we're not eating hamburgers just to be contrarian. And so you know, that happens when we say, do you want to go for a walk? Do you guys want to go sit outside on the back porch? Do you want to play cards? Like, <clears throat> there's just nothing that all three of them say, absolutely, that sounds great. Let's do it. And so we've just kind of gotten over it. Like, if one of them wants to do it, we do it with one of them. And then the other two will figure out something later and they'll kind of come and, and be a part of that contact. So we, we haven't, I guess that would be perfect being the enemy of good. You know, I don't always need all five of them to do the same thing fun things, if you will. It's okay if they say, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to go upstairs and be by myself for a while. Um, last night, and I don't know how you guys are handling bedtime, but ours has become very flexible. I mean, if my kids are up uh -huh. till 10, 10, 15, not a big deal. I mean, we are, we are living the spring break summer life right now. <laughs> um, but it was funny because last night for whatever reason, um, I started playing, you know, just some music on YouTube and I was playing um, the Imperial March from Star Wars and asked my kids to name the character. Well, next thing I knew we were actually doing like Star Wars themes, the different character themes off YouTube. I was just playing them to see if my kids could name the character. Um, and they were very good at it. My daughters know a lot about <laughs> the Star Wars characters. I was very happy they're being raised correctly. Um, but obviously we may need to go visit episodes one, two, and three because they couldn't identify Padme's song. I mean, there are plenty of opportunities to take something small and make it fun. Um, and, you know, my girls got bored the other day and decided to try to play a game and they were missing some of the game markers. So they picked up rocks, Figure it out, right? colored rubber bands on them and it, they couldn't spin for the game of yep. life. Had a um, random number generator and they started playing with it. And I was like, you know what, this is problem solving stuff. I'm good with Um, Jeff, real quick, I got to put you on the spot. I can't help it. You know, we, uh, Katie just started talking about problem solving or at least, you know, being adaptive and, and Jeff, um, I'm curious, are, are there any continuous improvement practices that you've tried introducing to your family uh, or to your kids? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always that person. And then 
because of that, when I do things that are inefficient, like they are the first to call me out on it. Like, um, so where this has really come into play recently is when we take Amazon packages or we bring groceries home or something like that, no one really knows the right process, right? Like, like, can you touch it with your hand? Can you not? Do you have to wipe everything down? Do you spray everything afterward? You know, what do you, what's the right way to wash fruits and vegetables and, and all that sort of stuff. You know, everybody's just kind of figuring it out. But, um, I, I, I kind of unpack things in a batch and they yelled at me about one piece flow and how I'm inefficient in the way I'm doing it. And so th there's a lot of focus on, on that. Um, I also put all my wires in an Amazon box because I, I tend to work, my office is outside. So I don't want to make a mess. And so they make fun of me about my Amazon box continuous improvement, but I've certainly started trying to ask them like how do we do that like how do we look for these types of improvements a lot of times it's at my own my own expense though because they like making fun of me with that sort of stuff i can take it though yeah um i, I think we've heard examples from everybody but um sarah or katie are there any other examples you haven't brought up yet like you know, new ways of doing daily tasks or creative ways that you've tried to improve. So it's just hour to hour operations yeah. in the home. I think um, as far as shopping, which is then a point of stress, I think especially maybe for moms, you know, and feeling like, how am I going to make sure that my kids have milk or eggs or and things like that? You know, we have really worked toward having a two week shopping list and we'll put things that we want or need on a Google, a shared Google Keep. And um, shopping at the outlying grocery stores, you know, things that are 20 or 30 miles outside of Austin, the stock has been much better. The availability has been better. Um, so just a strategy to try. Uh, because I do think that sense of not feeling like you might not have what you need for your kids is for a lot of, a lot of people, extremely anxiety provoking, even though, you know, actual deprivation is not at our doorstep. It just, it feels like it. Um, and it's a new feeling for most of us. Yeah. I mean, we are going with the flow. Actually, it's talking about a shopping list. It's been a lot easier. Um, so many times I'd say, hey, guys, I'm going to run to the store. Do you guys need anything? And no one would take that seriously, you know, and so they wouldn't give me things to buy. And then I'd get back. Oh, you know, we're out of this, whatever. Um, and that, this has been an opportunity to really reinforce. No, I need all of you to come in here, take an inventory. Let me know if there's something that you want me to get, because this is the trip right? And we're going to be making this trip. And I'm not running back to the store 10 minutes up the road because there was something else you wanted. Um, so that's been helpful. I mean, I joked as we were getting ready for this, um, for this webinar, I had a friend this morning, laundry's my big struggle and asked me, you know, I guess you got all your laundry done. And I was like, no, I am not caught up on laundry. I saw a lot of my friends the first couple of days stress cleaning. And that's something that they needed to do. That was their coping mechanism. Um, my perspective on it was this is not a sprint. We are entering a marathon. I will have time to get things done and it's okay to let things slide a little bit and to work on it as I'm ready um, because we are all coping. Um, but I'll tell you, I did a Zoom meetup with my students this morning, my eighth graders. I invited all 120 of them. 45 got on the call and we had so much fun. It was just a quick 20 minutes. Let's chat. Let's see each other. Um, want to tell you a few things that are available to you for instruction, but mainly how are you? Um, and they were trading gaming handles in the chat and they were showing off their cat, their dog, whatever. Um, so, you know, it, they are actually handling it much better. I actually put out a Google form of things that they could give me feedback or tell me how they're doing, um, including a scale, one to 10. How are you today? Like, not good or I'm doing great. Um, check the boxes that tell me how you're feeling. What are your feelings today? And as I'm starting to get some of that feedback, most of my kids are doing all right. I've got one or two that are are really kind of down right now and I can follow up with them. Um, but I think they're handling this so much better than the adults are. 
as you said, like none of these kids are reading the news and then not sleeping. Um, they're, they're going with it. I think one thing that's helped with our kids in terms of structure is to have a designated workspace for them, even if it's improvised in our, in our house. And especially I've with all three of them have tried to make sure that that faces out through a window uh, just because I think they're not spending quite as much time outdoors as they n normally would. Um, and I think having that spot that you go to work is not a thing that we had in our house previously, um, but helps them distinguish a little bit like, okay, this is the time to be a little more serious and a little more focused. Um, if someone's sitting there, you know, that's not the time to interrupt them, let your sibling work. When I encouraged my students uh, today to get outside this weekend, we're going to have a couple days of sunshine. Um, you know, we have a UV goggle sanitizer in the lab, um, in my science lab at school. And so we know that ultraviolet light does do some sanitizing, but these kids just need to go sit in the yard with a book and make some vitamin D right now. <laughs> um, and as I said to them, like, I'm not telling you to go play rugby or go hug a lot of people, but you can certainly go outside and sit in the sunshine. You need it. So um, yeah. making sure that they are finding that time and that space to do that. Yeah. Um, Katie, do you have any advice um, for, for other teachers who are working from home right now? So my school division is still in transition. Um, as you said, a lot of mm -hmm. school divisions are still figuring it out. Uh, this is a huge change for us. As I told my students, I don't believe my school division has shut down like this or that school divisions across my state have done this probably since 1918, 1919. Um, and back then they didn't have the internet. They didn't have Chromebooks. They didn't have Zoom meetings or, or whatnot. So this is a big change for all of us. Um, right now, my division is in... Um, enrichment activities, but next week we are moving to continuity of instruction. And so we'll be having some trainings and some meetings on Monday and Tuesday um, for that. It's been really helpful to connect with my students. Um, and after doing that Zoom meeting this morning, some of the feedback I've received was, hey, tell Mr. So-and-so we want to have a Zoom meeting too. Like, you know, they want to see us. Um, so at this point, I am not grading things, um, which has been easier. My instruction has mainly been, here's some science-y things you can do. Um, but I think as we move in that direction, I will have to set aside some time for specific grading or whatnot. Um, I already use a lot of tools to streamline things. So I'm already using a lot of Google Forms and um, just online submission of stuff. We, we have the whole Google platform which means that I'm not carrying 120 papers out of the building to grade in the evening. Um, and just having them electronically submitted makes things a lot easier for me. So um, hopefully teachers will be able to adapt to some of those productivity tools um, and, and do that technological learning. I know it may be harder for some of our teachers who are not completely used to it. On the other hand, we have divisions where you know, access to internet is a big problem big problem. Um, so we're still awaiting state guidance on how much of this we can do um, and, and what our expectations should be for those students who either can't afford internet or are living in areas where there is not access to internet. I will say when we were, um, when we were homeschooling last year, one thing that was particularly useful was um, Cam Scanner, Cam Scanner, although I know there are competing products as well, but something that enables you to take multi-page written work and turn it into a single document. So you don't just have a series of photographs that you took with the iPad or something. Um, I think that would be a tool for teachers particularly to stay, to keep that handwritten work a little more organized, particularly when you're talking about lower grades where they're not word processing as much. Mm -hmm. I use CK12 for science instruction. And I've used it throughout the year, um, kind of as homework assignments, but it also includes clicks, which are um, online simulations, lab simulations, things like that. So for secondary science, um, that has been a huge resource and it's completely free for teachers. It's nonprofit um, and it integrates with my Google Classroom, which is great. 
Um, one other thing maybe I'll invite the audience to do, if you've got any um, tips or advice of your own from your own experiences, um, you can share those. You can use the chat functionality in the GoToWebinar control panel. If you've um, got something you want to share and maybe ask it as a question, you can also use uh, the question panel again for that. Um, you, you've, you've all shared some resources and um, that was kind of maybe um, open, steer the conversation back to that. Are there other resources that, that you recommend in terms of um, podcasts, um, online resources, um, reading resources, um, any, anything else that you want to throw out there and can I give a thumbs um, up to? I yeah, this morning, the daily podcast from the New York Times was all about kids and questions from kids in quarantine. And um, they had they had children as young as four call and ask questions and their health reporters answered it. It's age appropriate. There is so much science in there about cells and about um, just keeping ourselves healthy, that sort of thing. Everything from can my dog get this virus? Is it going to give it to me? Um to why can't I get a Chuck E. Cheese's right now? So huge shout out to the daily podcast, um, wherever you get your podcast. Um, I would mm -hmm. also say your local library. I know our library has a lot of electronic resources. They have audiobooks, they have eBooks, um, but they're also doing curbside. So my kids for a while now have been, as they finish a library book, they log into the computer, request the next book in the series, and then when we return the one they finished, the other one's sitting there waiting for them. And um, my local library is doing curbside now where you can request things online. And when you pull up, they'll just set them in your trunk and you can keep going. Um, so any of your um, local nonprofits, libraries, um, they are pushing this material out. One of our preschools is doing read-alongs and streaming it on their Facebook page. Um, one of our fire stations did a virtual fire trip. Um, where they walked around the station and, and that was really exciting for especially for small kids of an age where you traditionally do a field trip to the fire station so um, there's a lot of creativity that's out there yeah um Mo Willem, the children's book illustrator who does piggy and gerald you guys probably have seen that he's doing a daily um drawing instruction for kids that i know a lot of a lot of kids are kind of setting their clock by and uh, the other, the tool for math that our kids use, but that I've introduced other families to as well is Dreambox. And I know normally it's fairly expensive, but they're offering 90 days free right now and is um, adaptive, but just has a really deep database um, and is very helpful. And it goes from kindergarten all the way through early algebra, eighth grade. Um, so it's a helpful thing, especially if, if your school district isn't able to do a lot of online math instruction yet. I would highly recommend it. The um, Kindle Unlimited has been helpful to us as well, although our library also does online lending, which we use a lot. Um, but our library now, they can only lend so many copies of popular books. And so some things become unavailable, I think, because people are catching on that it's a great resource. Um, but Kindle Unlimited will, yeah. I think, gives you at least 30 days free. And after that, it's $10 a month. Um, but they have also a big database of books, including children's books. Jeff, anything else that you want to uh, kind of share? Or no, I mean, it's, yeah, as far as resources are concerned, I mean, I hate to say it, but uh, with older kids, I mean, they, they kind of have their own resources. I mean, my kids can search YouTube better than I can. And like, my son's a good card thrower because he learned how to throw cards on YouTube. And so I think they're better than a, the adults are at figuring it out. I mean, to me, it's more along lines of they just, you got to point them in something, a direction of something that they can go learn and be excited about. But I just don't have to send them in the, the direction of resources at the age that they're at. They know it better than I do. I, the one other thing I would add, my 10 year old is getting guitar instruction from my 75 year old uncle in Boston, but they've set up a time to zoom oh. and you know, he sits there with his guitar. So I think there are also resources within your own family somehow that we probably could have been utilizing all along, but this has driven us to, to realize it's there. My niece is turned five yesterday and they're on a military base in Germany. Um, so they're also pretty much shut down. 
Um, but we scheduled a Google Hangouts and all of the various cousins called in. So we had people calling in from New York City, from here in Virginia. Um, and we quietly made arrangements that every every household that was calling in would have candles. So when we were ready to sing, we all pulled out our candles and sang happy birthday and then told her to blow them out. And um, it was it was a really special thing um, that, you know, given our circumstances, we need to look for those special things. Um, And it's it's really important that they make those connections, especially at a time where they may not be able to see their cousins or other or extended family. We had um, one comment here shared by Tracy. She said uh, their library is connected to Hoopla, where Mm -hmm. you can check out movies, books, and music. And they've increased the checkouts um, normally at six, but now you can get 12 items um, during this era. So um, Tracy, thank you for uh, for sharing that. Um, Sarah, I was going to go back and just ask you to repeat the name of the author who's doing the drawing instruction, because I think your audio, at least for me, had cut out. Yeah, Mo Willems. Um, he is, he's the author of the Piggy and Gerald and Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus children's books. <laughs> Parents of all kids will be familiar. <laughs> okay. Um, so I've shared a couple other things in um, the chat box. One is the link for now. It's just a Google Doc that compare, that contains um, the questions and uh, more importantly, the list of resources. And again, we'll publish that more formally on uh, the blog. And then the other link I'm sharing here is the webinar that I mentioned earlier. This was uh, a webinar with two doctors answering a lot of questions um, about COVID-19. If you go to that link, you can watch the video recording that was a similar format to this. You can listen to it as a podcast. And then um, Danielle from the Connexus team did a great job of putting together a text synopsis of the questions and answers um, for those who want to um, scan through that this way. Um, Jeff, you're good at coming up with questions. Are there any, any other questions or topics that you think we should be. I have one when you're ready. Or Katie, go ahead. Katie. No, Katie, you can go, Katie. Okay. I want to address the disappointment that a lot of our kids are feeling right now and a lot of families are, are feeling right now. Um, I know my one of my 13 my year old had just been selected as stage manager for a play that is maybe not going to happen at all. Um, my fourth grader was the only fourth grader on her school's Math 2014 and had you know, weekly meetings and whatnot with a competition coming up. I know a lot of people are calling off um, vacations and all sorts of plans. And it is fostering a lot of disappointment um, for our kids. The historic parallel I found, which I've been sharing, I shared with my actual children and I've also shared with my students is if you go back and look at the Stanley Cup in 1919, it lists two teams and it says series not completed. And they called off the series that year for public health concerns with the 1918-1919 influenza. Um, and what I've told the both my students and my children is it had to be disappointing for those hockey players. It had to be disappointing for those fans. Um, and we can feel that disappointment and acknowledge it but also understand that that was a very brave decision. That was an incredibly brave decision. There is no telling how many lives were saved by that decision because, again, they were facing a public health pandemic, and this was the choice they made. And we are all doing this to be brave and that it's all about public health and it's all about survival. So, Yes, I understand there are, you know, proms that people had ordered dresses for and birthdays and oh, so many things, so many things. And it's OK to feel sad about those. It's it is 100 percent. All right. And, and I would encourage parents to talk to their families and to talk to their kids about it. Um, if that parallel of the Stanley Cup in 1919, if that helps illustrate things for you, 
um, I found that it's really, it's a powerful correlation to what we're dealing with now. That's great. That's kind of in line with the identity loss that I was talking about earlier. And a lot of it is just from disappointment that people are going through. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll bring up a point that I've just been on my mind a lot. I, I don't know why I just call it the butter dish, but um, when you're on an airplane and those things come down, they tell you to put your own mask on first. And yes. so I'm just going to say as parents, like you, uh, you have to have your mental health right first, right? So, so do what you can to get yourself right. It is not easy. Kids are demanding. And when they have mental health issues, you know, you have to snap to action. But when you get a reprieve, you know, get yourself, if that means to stop looking at your phone, to stop watching TV, to stop engaging with people who are, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe potentially bringing you down at a certain point in time, like get yourself right. So that way you can be there for others. Um, Cause otherwise then everyone suffers. I think, and this is, I mean, not a, not a happy topic for us, but I think the other conversation we have had as a family, and I think it's important for families to have is what would we do as a family if one of us got sick? Like what's our plan for handling that situation? And I think it's the equivalent to thinking through a fire drill, you know, if the house caught fire, where are the exits? And so thinking about, okay, which bedroom would we use? Which bathroom would we use? What are, because I think it's very difficult to, I think it's very difficult to make those decisions when you're under stress. And so using the advantage of our relatively clear minds and calm situation right now to think through how to safely handle that, um, I think it's important. And unfortunately, I think the likelihood, the probability is many of us will end up Right, we'll it. have to go through it. And so knowing how we're going to do that, that safeguards as many people as possible, I think it's very important. Agreed. Yeah. The last, I mean, we're actually seeing that with someone down, down the block from us, her, her uh, freshman is dealing with it and they've had to kind of quarantine her in a room. And so they, they're front and center. You know, there are a lot of people who are going to have to deal with it. Um, one of the things that I kind of, use as just a mantra for me and I've been trying to like beat the drum here and it took me a bit because I got depressed last week and I had to snap myself out of it but um when all of this stuff goes down we all have the choice of our reaction to it and our feelings about it and gratefulness is to me the one emotion that if you can remember the things that you're grateful for and you can help people to understand the things that they should be grateful for I think it helps. I mean, we are all sitting in nice houses, going through a webinar, through an electronic means that a lot of people just do not have in this world. And so no matter what happens, uh, there are a lot of things that we can be grateful for. And if I personally, if I can teach that lesson to my kids when it's hard, that's when the lesson really matters. It's easy to say it when things are going well and, and whatever, but when in times like this, when the stress is high, you know, if you can remember to be grateful and you can teach your kid, kids that lesson, I'm just a huge believer that um, that those kinds of things will really matter from a parenting standpoint. Yeah, I think our kids have also been encouraged by some of the things that they, that we've seen with regard to the environment. You know, the idea that there are dolphins back in the canals in Venice or that we have monarch butterfly caterpillars for the first time in three years in our backyard. And maybe that's unrelated, but I think this idea that we can make big changes to our lives and that it can affect the trajectory of our society. That's an encouraging message. That's something that will be important long after this particular crisis has passed. And so I think they see some hope in that. And I see, I do. I also have challenged my kids, um, my students and my own children, uh, what are we going to do after, right? It, like, let's plan a trip. If you could go somewhere after all this is over, money is no object, like go out there and practice your latitude, longitude skills and map out a trip. Or, um, you know, what's the first thing you would do if, if we could go out tomorrow? What are the first things you would do? I've already warned all my ex introvert friends. I will be hugging them when this is over and they're going to have to deal with it um, because that's that's hard for me right now. 
But um, it's really interesting to ask those questions of your kids and see what they say. Um, some of my students have responded with, you know, I would absolutely go play basketball. First thing, you know, um, I can't wait to go to the movies again, or I want to go back to my gym where I'm on the gymnastics team. Um, so let, let them have that space and kind of daydream because we're, the goal is we're not here forever and ever and ever, right? Like we need to survive this. We're going to get through this. Life is going to continue. So Let's have fun. Well, great. I think that's uh, a great thought to end it on. We're uh, here at the top of the hour. So thank you, everybody who tuned in. And um, we, we, we kept our audience for the hour. So thanks for that. Go to our panelists today for um, being so engaging and sharing so much with everybody. Thank you, Katie Webb Seifert, Sarah Evans, and uh, Jeff Roussel. Thank you so much. Mark, thanks for hosting. Appreciate it. Right, thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Have a good weekend.